Hey, welcome to the Project Church Podcast. My name is Caleb Cole. I'm the lead pastor here at Project Church in downtown Sacramento. And we're so glad that you came to hear this word. We believe this is going to encourage you, build you up, and give you life. So get ready to receive a message from God. I leaned over, I whispered in Chrissy's ear. So which one... Which one of you do you think told me how to dress this morning, you or your husband? It's good to be here. The Bidmores and their music almost preached my message. They are an anointed couple, just anointed. Often when I watch television, I like shows that are in black and white. I like old shows. I like Perry Mason, and I really, my wife says, I think I'm a cowboy. I love Bonanza. I like Rawhide. I mean, I like them all. Like Dragnet. I even like to watch old Three Stooges, and I love watching old cartoons. I tape them sometimes because my grandbabies, they'll come over, and they'll watch them with me, and they say, Papa, your your cartoons are better than our cartoons. But one day I was watching television. My youngest grandchild was with me, and one of my black and white movies came on, and she just looked at me, and she says, your TV's broke. (laughs) And I said, what do you you mean my TV's broke? Well, well, it's in black and white. I said, no, 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 honey. Do you ever try to explain that to, like, a six-year-old? And I... Literally tried to explain to her, it's not broke. See, these are older movies, and they're made in black and white, and she says, your TV is broke. And we went through that for a moment, and then I had a brainstorm of an idea. I just switched channels. And I went to a color program. She sat there, and she looked. She looked at me, and then I went back to black and white. And I did that a few times without having to say anything, and she got it. I was watching a Western one day with my brother. And all of a sudden, my older brother, he says, I see dead people. I said, what do you mean you see dead people? He says it again. I see dead people. And I, I said, what do you mean? And he pushed a button that, would go, that took us to the bios of the actors in the show. And it showed where they were born, the day they were born, and the day they died if they were deceased. And as I looked at that information about all the people that were in this program, sure enough, they had all deceased. (laughs) I looked at him, I said, I see dead people too. (laughs) And then I thought about a story in the Old Testament, Ezekiel, chapter 37, verses 1 through 10. It's a story about a valley that's filled with dead bones. Allow me to read this to you. The hand of the Lord was on me, Ezekiel says, and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord, and he set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. He led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were dry. He asked me, he being the spirit of the Lord, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, only only you know. 
Then he said to me, prophesy to these bones and say to them, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise, rattling noise. Bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come breathe from the four, come breath from the four winds and breathe into these slain that they may live. So I prophesied as commanded, as he commanded me, and breath entered them, and they came to life and stood up on their feet, a vast army. The rising church, the rising church. The prophet Ezekiel was brought by the Spirit of God to a specific valley. God doesn't do anything just haphazardly, specifically. He placed in the middle of the valley, filled with dry bones, skeletons, the man of God, by the Spirit of God. You see, the Bible says the Spirit of God led the prophet into this place, and he set him in the middle of a valley. You do know that some valleys God leads us into, and, and none of us. You, you couldn't convince me in a thousand years that when he got to this valley and saw these dead bones that he just began to praise and worship and love God. It's kind of like, what the heck? Why was I brought to this place? In fact, sometimes when God leads us into a valley, we have so much technology in, this, in society and in the church that, that we just know beyond the shadow of a doubt, God didn't lead me here. God did not lead me into this Valley, he had nothing to do with it, so we get out as soon as we can saying this can't be the will of God for my life. It's too painful. Instead of praying and asking God, have you led me here, and what are the lessons I am to learn? My wife has reminded me for all the many years we've been married. She said, honey, when God puts you in a valley or someplace that's painful, ask him, please let me get an A-plus in this class. <laughs> and the first time she said it, I said, why is that? She said, because not only do you not want to enter this class again, I don't want to enter this classroom with you either. God speaks sometimes, and it just doesn't make sense. I was in a restaurant years ago in San Francisco, and there was four guys sitting over at a table not far from us, and they were talking loud enough I could hear what they were saying. I wasn't ear hustling. And I really wish later that I hadn't heard a thing. And they were talking about a friend of theirs who had just given his life to Jesus, and they were trying to figure out, what in the world did he do that for? What is this thing all about? And I sense the same spirit that speaks to you on occasion saying, why don't you go tell him? <laughs> now I'm sitting having dinner with my wife and another couple friend, and I look over here, and uh, they didn't look like they were sitting there waiting on a preacher to come tell them about Jesus. <laughs> and I said, I ain't doing this. No. They, 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 they look like they just didn't look right. 
fact, I was really trying to figure out what are they doing in this restaurant? And I sat there and my wife said, nothing's wrong, nothing wrong. Don't even ask, nothing's wrong. I'm good, everything's cool. And I'm trying to eat my dinner in that same spirit. Go tell them what happened to their friend. And I'm just kind of going, and I don't say anything to my wife. I don't say anything to my friend or his wife. And I just get up and go over to the table and I grab an empty chair. I say, hey, fellas, you mind if I sit down for a moment? And they kind of looked at me like, who in the heck are you? And heck is probably using a good word that they probably weren't saying. I said, I overheard you talking about your friend. I said, yeah, he just gave his life to Christ. Yes. Would you like to know what happened to him and why he did that? Yeah, go ahead, man. Go ahead. And I'm serious. As nervous as I was, only because of the, the crowd. I'm not afraid to talk about Jesus. It's just the context. You understand what I'm saying? See, I like talking in this context. This is a safe context. That wasn't a safe context. Sometimes God will lead you into places you may not want to go. But if you don't go, you'll wish you had. So I reluctantly obeyed. And when I got done, they looked at me and said, thanks, man. Thanks, man. I go back and sit at my table. <laughs> my friend goes, you have lost your mind, man. Prophet is asked a question in verse 3. Son of man, can these bones live? His response, O sovereign Lord, only you alone know. Then the Lord says to him, now I'm going somewhere with this. The, the bit more has prepared you for what I'm going to say. I was sitting there going, God, this thing in my sermon. O sovereign Lord, only you know. Then the Lord says to me, prophesy to these bones, speak life to them. Here's one thing for certain. If he don't speak, there is no life. If he don't speak, all they are is bones with flesh and tendons and all the rest. But there's no life inside of them. They don't go anywhere. I don't know what happened with those gentlemen as a result of our conversation. But I do know this. Had I not said anything to them, nothing would have happened. The Bible says through this prophet, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. And he begins to speak to them. And this is what he says. God's, the Spirit of God says to the prophet, I will make breath into them. We come here, we get to hear incredible messages from Chrissy and from Caleb and from others through music. But it's God that has to do something. Because if he don't breathe, now, now listen, if he does not breathe, whatever we're doing, there's no eternal significance. He says, you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you. I will make flesh come upon you. I will cover you with skin. I will breathe in you. Then he says this, then you will come to life as a result of my breath in you. So that implies that unless God breathes on us or in us, we're not even alive. Amen. And then he says this, and then you'll know. And then when my breath comes into you, then you will know that I am the Lord. The Bible says there's a noise as the bones begin to rattle and come together. It sounds like a project to me. Now standing in front of him is a group of people, but they're still dead until what? 
until Ezekiel obeys the spirit of the Lord and speaks to them and the spirit of God enters them. Listen, we are living in and the, the most incredible day. I ain't looking behind me. There's nothing back there I want. I mean, nothing. I've heard people say, man, I wish I was a teenager again. Don't you? I said, no, I barely made it the first time. No, I do not want to relive that again. I like getting older. I like getting uh, gray hair. I like, it. I'm not as dumb as I used to be. I don't need to talk as much as I used to think I did. I, I'm not as smart as I used to think I am, was. Sometimes I just sit there and smile. My grandchildren, they asked me, I had 13 of them. They asked me a lot of questions. I got one. He asked so many questions that I used to do like this. He said, Papa, what's that mean? I said, you got three questions. Because the first time he asked me a question, my son's, my, his daddy looked at me, started laughing. I said, what's so funny? He said, you'll see. About 30 minutes after of questions, I looked at my son and said, you understand now, don't you? But now I tell him, you ask me any questions, as long and as many as you want. With age, I, I don't like sometimes the aches in the past. I've had two knee replacements. I don't, I don't necessarily like that. But I do like getting older. I really, really do. It's an, it's an amazing gift that not everybody gets to experience. Are you listening? You guys are experiencing some pain in your church because of Maverick. He won't get to be over. He says, why do you know him? Because his grandfather is a special friend of mine. Age and old age is not a gift everybody gets to experience. And if you get to experience it, just bless and praise and, and worship God for everything. Breath enters them, and only after the breath of God enters them do they become an army. Let me see if I can bring this into this room. I woke up about 2 a.m. a few weeks ago. I was thinking of today. This message was just percolating inside of me. I sat on my couch upstairs, and I just began to type on my iPad. Gee, this is Project Church. This is you call this place your home, the rising church. See, God is looking around at what's outside of this room. I used to think a lot of people go to church. I was in big churches, and on a Sunday I went to an athletic game. I looked around in this stadium. I said, man, ain't nobody going to church. That was the first thought. The other thought was, God, if I could just take a $1 offering. Caleb's grandfather was very good for that. <laughs> Look around, my friends. Now, I'm not talking about people in this room. People are spiritually dead. They go to work. They go on vacations, athletic events, school, school programs. They drive nice cars. They live in nice homes. Some are homeless. Some are in jail. Some are in prison. Some have beautiful spouses. Some have spouses they wish they're not married, but they still have them. You understand what I'm saying? But they are dead without the very life of God inside of them. So knowing this, the eternal God, knowing what I've just said to you, 
He places a church in a strategic place, a needy historical place, Old Sacramento. Who in the world wants to put a church in Old Sacramento? God. God. This is where our, start, this is where our state began. He brings a group of people together. He gives them a name, Project Church, and is making them an army. But the question is, is the reason that he is making this and growing this and taking not equal amounts but equal participation to put this whole thing together, it's been a whole lot of shaking going on, rattling and, 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 and construction work and all. It's been a whole lot of shaking going on to make Project Church what it is this morning. It's been stressful for a young couple who just want to love people and put a church together. Not everybody have liked them. Not everybody has agreed with them. Not everybody has said, man, you're doing a great job. But God instead, because they can do this because they've heard from God. You cannot, you cannot go through what this young couple has been through and not heard from God. There may be times that they wanted to quit. The good part is they probably didn't have that same mindset on the same day. but they're here. So God is putting an army together right here in old Sacramento, Project Church, making an army to breathe life into you and to this region so that hundreds and thousands can rise from dry, dead bones to live lives filled with divine, meaningful purpose. You, my friends, are his mission. You're his mission. Some of you have even wondered, why, why, man, why does God have me in this church? Because he has something for you to do. See, don't get caught up. I got to take a deep breath. I have not been on Facebook since last October. I used to be on, if any of you ever saw me, all I ever did was post pictures of my grandbabies and signed off, hashtag, I'm a blessed man. Walking my grandbabies to school, birthday parties, taking them to places, visiting friends and all the rest. Just pictures of my grandbaby. But sometime to get to that, I got to read some stuff from others. I got tired of reading that garbage. I got tired of reading what Christians that I have known for years were saying. I started asking myself, do that. I wanted to go by the house and say, and just stand at the door and say, I just got one thing for you. I said, Repeat after me, dear Lord Jesus. What do you mean? We're going back old school. We're going back to first base. Because from what I'm seeing you online, I don't think you know the same father that I know. Because my father says, Blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called the children of God. You think your opinion matters. You really think somebody cares about you being over here at Starbucks having an Al Pacino? Don't nobody care about you? Don't get caught up in the issues of the day. You see, your calling is bigger than race. Your calling is bigger than gender. And the good Lord knows it's bigger than politics. And you fill in all the rest. All of these things have a purpose, and they're all significant, but none of them can breathe life into you. You've never had anybody come up to you and say, my God, I heard you do a political speech. How do I get to know Jesus? I have never been moved the way I was moved in the spirit of God by that 
Man, that was something. Please help me. You've never heard that. And yet we will espouse. Families are divided over this stuff. I mean, literally. Somebody came to my house and started, I said, oh, no, 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 we don't talk like that in this house. No, 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 oh, no, 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 no. Now, if you want to go to my neighbor, he might, no, no, you ain't talking like, you ain't going to divide my family. So you, you take whatever it is you, that, to, oh, next door. In this house. And I looked at them, I said, let me tell you something. Do you know how hard I have worked? How many prayers I have prayed to keep my family together? And do you honestly think I'm going to let you come in here and do, no, you can't do that in this house. Now, there is an old me. If you want to meet him, he's still here. I will introduce you to him. But you will change that conversation. My wife, my children, and my grandchildren, oh, no, no, no. They're more precious to me than anything I've ever seen on this planet. Only as a person can experience the spirit of Jesus in them can they live out their God-given purpose for their existence. You and I are expected to be the life givers to them. Together we are a rising church. Otherwise, we're just living among the dead. So let me land this plane. Those are on the worship they can come back if they like so project church what's your purpose what's your purpose well, my purpose is to give yeah that's probably part of it my purpose is to serve that's part of it too your purpose is not <laughs> to take sides your purpose is to take over It's not to take sides. It's to take over. Yeah. My friends sometimes even ask me, what do you believe about this? What do you believe about this? What do you believe? I said, why? Why? One of the dearest friends I have on this planet heard me preach for the first time years ago, and he came up to me after the church. He looks at me and goes, you know, I don't really agree with what you just said. I said, really? I said, yeah. I said, what do you believe? He told me, I said, you probably ought to live like it. And I just walked off. <laughs> he comes back about three weeks or so later, Standing at the door, I was just shaking folks' hands. He said, you messed me up a few weeks ago. I said, what do you mean? He said, I asked you a question. Really? What would you ask me? Literally, I had forgotten. I didn't know who he was. I walked away thinking, who's that idiot? You know. He said, I asked you, I told you, I did not believe what you just preached. And you said to me, then what do you believe? And I told you. And you walked away. I said, can I ask you a question again today? He says, yeah. I said, what do you believe? And he told me what he believed. And I said, then you probably ought to live what you believe because I'm going to live what I believe. And I walked off again. That kind of came back and I said, let me ask you a question. If I had had a discussion with you that day, what would have happened? He said, we probably would have argued. I said, would I have been able to change what you say you believe? He says, well, of course not. Keep believing what you believe. Live it. I'm going to live what I believe. I'm going to live it. And what I believe, when you want to talk with some civility, we can have that discussion. He has been hooked at my hip for almost 30 years. Watch this. Because I didn't argue with him. 
You, you do know this is okay. This is okay right here. Talking to someone. Wow. That's really interesting. Man, I never heard of it that way before. Man. Woo. Wow. And just listen. And when they get done, just walk away. And when you get to where they can't hear you, then you say this. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. But what we do is we sit there listening, going, yeah, hum, but, yeah, hum, but, yeah, hum, but. Then you end up arguing and you've lost a friend and an argument. I ain't gonna do that. I do that. I've watched how my father dealt with people. They would tell my daddy sometimes, Eddie, I don't believe in heaven. I don't believe in hell. And my daddy would say, Well, I hope you're right. And he'd walk away. And they'd say, What do you, wait, 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 wait. Why'd you walk away? My daddy would say, Listen. I believe in Jesus. I believe there's a heaven. I believe there's a hell. And when I die, if I'm completely wrong, I have not lost a thing. Lived a good life, had good friends, raised my children to be a certain way, blah, 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 blah. But if you get to your death and you find out you're wrong, he'd look at him, he'd smile and say, hope you're right. And walk off. Some of you have lost friends over and over. Arguments that have no eternal significance. God is raising up an army filled with his presence his purpose and his power to speak life his life to this generation it's your season you don't get to repeat this you don't there's no do-over 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 you don't get a do-over what will you do as you look around at all these dry bones as you hear meaningless conversations, as you watch people strive for goals and get involved in relationships that you know will never satisfy the emptiness. What did Jesus tell the woman at the well? Go get your husband. She said, well, I don't have one. He said, yeah, you've had five of them and the one you have not ain't gonna never satisfy you. Because of his breath in you, you know that he's alive. Don't try to keep that in. Be creative. And tell your friends. And people ask me, so what do you do? I said, what do I do? I said, yeah. I said, I work for an international organization and we search for lost people. Now you do know that's a conversation piece. If I say, oh, I'm a pastor, I help oversee, then I do this. Okay, if I'm on an airplane, they start pushing the button. I need to change seats where the plane is full. Can I go where the luggage is? They don't want to talk to me anymore. But if I say, well, I work for an international organization. We search for lost people. Don't even ask me for a card. We're so big, we don't even have business cards. Be creative. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that is within you. Live a life in front of your friends and your neighbor and your colleagues that make them ask you, what makes you so different? I know you don't believe what they said, and you won't even argue with them. Why? Don't try to fit in. Stand, stand out. Then tell them when they ask about the eternal breath of the living God that has breathed upon you. Pastor Caleb and Chrissy.
you all would just bow your heads, close your eyes across this place right now. I think that Dr. Sam just brought a word that we needed. We needed as a church to realize that this is our moment. This is the time. We can't, we don't get a redo. We don't get another opportunity. Are we going to make the most? And all that I heard as he shared was, am I going to make the most by loving people? By being there for people? By being the one that listens and fights for peace and unity? And yet as I looked across this room, I know that there may be someone in a room this large that you're, you're that one that he talked about. That you've asked the question, well, I don't know if this is real. Or, I don't know if I really believe in this Jesus thing. And I just want to tell you right now that this is your opportunity. This is your opportunity to receive Jesus, to surrender to Jesus. I don't want you to miss this opportunity because God wants to use you. He has a purpose for you. And he's calling to you in this moment. And so heads are bowed and eyes are closed and no one's looking around. This is between you and God. But I want to ask you, if you're in this room, you say, Caleb, that's me. I've questioned God. I've ran from God. I've turned my back on God. I've fought with God. I've tried to do things my way. But today I know I need to come back into right relationship with Jesus. I need to surrender my life to Jesus. Maybe for the first time ever. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand right now in this room. One, two, three, go. If that's you, yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. Come on, church. Give God some praise in this place. Can we go back to the basics and repeat this prayer after me? Say, Jesus, I need you to be the Lord of my life, to be my king, to be the one that I follow. So forgive me of my sin. Help me to live for you, to serve you, to make peace with all people as far as it depends on me. So Lord, I love you and I want to serve you. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Can we stand to our feet, church? Can we sing this as a declaration? Come on, real quick, let's sing this through. I want this to solidify the rising church that God's calling us to be in Old Sacramento for this moment, for this season. Come on. Lift your voices, church. Lift your hands in this place. Let's worship him, Jesus. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up, and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.